0: nine, and we're dealing with the life of Isaac and his two sons, Jacob and Esau, and the different things that are going on in their lives, the different things that we can glean from it and learn from it, both about the world that we live in, but also about our own personal lives and how we live. I think this is a important passage that we're dealing with, and it's important because It is a normal reaction after God moves of the enemy, and it's also a normal reaction for us. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is this, Isaac was facing a famine. And if you'll notice, there's a natural fear over that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a worry about his circumstances and what's going to happen in his family's life and the people that he cares about's life. And he is, he is obviously afraid and worried and scared and he seeks out God and tries to find an answer for it because obviously he doesn't want his family to starve to death. And, and by the way, fear in the sense of using it as an emotion to uh, tell us things, to give us understanding about the world that we live in. And by the way, uh, that generally is what our emotions do for us. They, they allow us to understand in more depth and with more meaning, uh, they allow us to understand uh, the world that we're living in and the struggle that we're having, and maybe the difficulties or maybe uh, the situation that we're in. When we feel wronged or when we feel fear or we feel pain, Or when we feel a sadness or when we feel joy or love notice it just increases our ability to intake and to understand the world that we live in now our emotions are also will lie to us our emotions are easily manipulated they're easily manipulated by the world we live in uh they're easily manipulated by our past and our past experiences and they may not even be those past experiences may not even be true are real. They're just uh, they're just out there, and and we have struggled with it, or maybe we've experienced something that is really rough and terrible. But in the midst of experiencing those, we it just changed who we were, changed changed how we saw the world, or how we operated in the world. And obviously, it says here that that it says that Abraham had a famine during his time. And we're not sure if Isaac was alive during that time period, probably not, but that being obviously famine was an issue in the family and it was a a problem in the family. And so it can be off-putting. And God came and told him, he said, listen, I'm going to take care of you in the midst of this. You don't go to Egypt, don't go to the world for your answers you stay where in the right in the middle of my promises, you do exactly what I've told you to do, and so what does Isaac do? He hears God and he operates in faith, and that's exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He hears God and he operates in faith, and he stays in Gerar and <clears throat> he stays in the area where his father had been, He stays where his father and his mother are buried, and the land that they had purchased and from the Philistines, and he stays around the king of the Philistines and so he is doing exactly what is supposed to happen now i'm going to tell you this and this happens in life a lot and when i say it happens in life a lot it happens in life often and i know that because i've experienced it many times myself in fact i've experienced it i generally will experience it because i believe that god allows the enemy to do this because it it focuses us in fact i know he does because of his conversation with peter right before his death but he allows the enemy to roar at us. He, the Bible says that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And what does that mean? It means that he is not to devour us on his own. He doesn't have the authority to do that. But he is seeking whom God will allow him to devour. But while he's doing that, while he's doing that, he is walking around roaring. And if you've ever been around a roaring line, and especially for me, yes, I've never told this story maybe on on the podcast or on the internet, but when I was a soft, I was a I was a freshman going into my sophomore year of college, I worked for the Montgomery Alabama Parks and Recreation. And at that time they were building the new section of the zoo. Now Y'all need to realize, those of you who are watching, that that was 30 years ago, so it's not the new section of the zoo anymore. For me, it's the new section of the zoo because I remember the zoo when I was a little kid, and it basically expanded the zoo by, it it tripled the size of the zoo. And for me, it was the new expansion of the zoo. For everybody else, it's not the new expansion of the zoo, but uh, for me it was. And uh, they were putting in African area, they were putting in the Asian area, they were putting in all these areas where you could see animals from those parts of the world. And I was working in the African area in that I was working on building the cheetah cage. And interestingly enough, cheetahs are not good jumpers. They don't jump very high, but they run very fast. And so you didn't have to build a cage that was tall enough to keep a tiger in, which can jump 20, 25 feet in the air. They had to build, you just got to build a cage high enough where the cheetah can't climb up it. And we were working on the cheetah cage and right next to the cheetah cage was the lion enclosure. And uh, right next to the lion enclosure was the lion den and they had not built the enclosure, but they did have the lions in the lion den area and we had access to it in the sense that we could go in there and stand where the trainer stood, not where the lions actually were, but behind a fence, and the lions were just on the other side of the fence. And uh, we went in that room, and when we went into that room, I was with two other guys, and they were between me and the door. And we were, we're looking at the lions, and the lions weren't even moving. They didn't even act like they even cared that we were there. They, in fact, the truth is the lions acted like we weren't there. They acted like we were cockroaches who'd come into the room, and they didn't care whether we existed or not. And And they were huge. And they were massive and they were beautiful animals. The two guys I was with, they decided they would try to get their attention because it offended them that the lions had not noticed them. And they began to yell and holler, and the lions didn't move. They began to beat on the cage. And when I say beat on the cage, I mean they began to beat profusely on the cage. Lions didn't move. And then they began to, then they began to jump up and down and hang on the, hang on the uh, cage. Lions didn't move. Then one of them just stepped outside for a second. And I was just standing there watching it. And he brought in a little stick, maybe a stick about two feet long. And he, one of the lions was leaning, laying right next to the cage where you could actually touch the lion's hair because his back was sticking out of the cage. And the guy that I was with, he took that stick and he poked that line. And when he poked that line, went... Bruh. Now... For me, that's not very scary. But when a lion does that, it literally shakes you to your core. It literally shakes you to your core, and you you feels while he's while he's growling, it literally feels like your whole body is quivering because of that. And I stood there as I felt that, and I looked at that lion, and he never moved. He just roared. He just growled. And can you imagine what it would have been like if he'd have roared? Can you imagine? You might have shook my heart on out of my chest. It might have been a heart attack that I had. He roared. He growled at us. And I looked over and the two guys I was with, they weren't there anymore. They were gone. They never went back in that cage. Not one more time during that summertime did they ever go back in that cage. But I distinctly remember the Holy Spirit telling me right after that was over, that's what the devil does to us. He, ro- he growls at us. He roars. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He, he doesn't have the right to devour us. He only has the right to roar at us. He only has the power to roar at us. And uh, there'll be times in your life, there'll be situations, it won't be all the time and it won't be constant. It'll be situations in your life where the enemy will roar at you, where the enemy will come in and he will roar or he will growl at you and it will make you afraid. Now, the problem with that is fear is the, uh, the faith. And the reason the enemy growls at us is to get us to stop operating in our faith. He is wanting us to He wants us to cower down and stop being bold in what we're doing and what we believe. And that is how the growls and roars at us. And Isaac faces that in this situation. It says, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife. And notice, so he's already worried about the famine. He feels like he's stuck in Gerar because because of the famine, and that's the the place where God said they're going to be able to eat. So he's got to stay there. Uh, he knows that's where the promises of God are. He feels like he's contained there, and the men of the area are starting to ask about his wife and it says, and she was he said she was my sister. what his reaction was to lie or to use worldly methods to protect himself from these men who are acting about his wife, so he's going to lie about it. He says she's my wife because he thought. Lest, and it says the reason he did that, he said it says he said she is my sister for I, he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca because she is beautiful to behold. Notice he lied to him so that he could protect himself, and that is using worldly means. That's using worldly means in order to deal with that emotion of fear because the enemy has roared at you or the lion has growled at you. And anybody who has experienced that and then had the holy reveal that to them, that's the roar of the enemy. That's the growl of the lion. Anybody who's had that experience and felt that before, you know what I'm talking about. You understand from whence I come. You have experienced that and struggled with that before. They were in a place that they were not in charge of, and they were in under Abimelech's authority and his rule, and they were worried about the men. Now it says that now it came to pass when he'd been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw that there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebecca his wife they were acting like husband and wife and not like brother and sister and he saw that through a window and then Abimelech called Isaac and said quite obviously she is your wife so how could you say she is my sister and Isaac said to him because I said lest I die on account of her notice he's saying I acted the way I acted because I was afraid and can't emphasize this enough Actions taken based off of fear will never bring about God's results. It will never bring about God's best. Actions taken based off of fear will never, ever bring about what God has for us. It will always bring us doing things that are worldly and foolish and ultimately very destructive for our own life. And this could have been very destructive for for, uh, not only Isaac's life, but it could have been very destructive for uh, those people and Abimelech. And it says, verse 10, and Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of these people might have soon lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Notice, Abimelech handled the situation. And if Isaac had listened to the Holy Spirit and allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him then he would have gone, the Holy Spirit would have led him to Abimelech, and Abimelech would have handled the problem, but he didn't do that. And the reason he didn't do that is because he was afraid. And fear is one of the greatest tools the enemy uses against us. He uses the fear and he uses the shame of our sin to try to destroy us. And God's word clearly indicates that he has handled not only the guilt, not only the price, but the shame of our sin, we do not have to be ashamed of who we are anymore because we're not that. We're a children of the king. We're, we're a people of the promise, and we don't have to walk in fear anymore. And I'm talking about all kinds of fear. I'm talking about every situation of fear. If you feel panicked and you feel afraid in a situation, oftentimes that's the enemy roaring at you. Now, it may be that you're panicked and afraid because the building's on fire and you need to get out. And let me say this. If that's the case, if you're panicked and afraid because the building is on fire and you need to get out, that's not the enemy. That's God showing you with your own eyes that there's a fire, get out of the building. But we're talking about situations in life where you don't have an answer about what's going really going on around you. You don't really know what's happening or what people are doing or what people are saying. And then all of a sudden, you're in that situation, you're in that moment and the enemy roars at you and you panic because of some something maybe experienced in the past or you panic because of some shame you have of the past or you panic because of some failing you have or some inadequacy that goes on in your life and then all of a sudden you're in the middle of full panic mode and you're trying to fix something that wasn't broken because the enemy's not broken anything the enemy doesn't have a right to devour you i've already said the devil's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't have a right to devour you. He just has the power to roar, and he has the power to growl. And as he growls and roars at you, he can often get you off track of what God would actually have for you to do. He, would, he gets you headed in the wrong direction. I say this, I mentioned earlier that the apostle Peter faced this on the night that Jesus was arrested and the day before he was crucified. Jesus said to Peter himself, jesus said the devil has desired to sift you as wheat and then he says and when it's over he says strengthen your brothers what he's saying there is the devil has asked for the right to sift you now he didn't say to eat you he said to sift you he's asked for the power to sift you as wheat and but he says when it's over meaning the sifting just because the enemy sifts you a little bit just because the enemy has the power to sift you doesn't mean he's making you weaker weaker, because by the way sifting removes the impurities when we sift wheat what we're doing is we're getting the husk out of it we're getting the dirt out of it and we're purifying we're getting down to the very core of just actually having the kernel of wheat there and so with with peter what he was saying to him is listen the is that desire to sift you as wheat and when it's over strengthen your brothers. What he's saying is, I'm going to let that happen. I'm going to let the enemy growl at you. I'm going to let the enemy roar at you. I'm going to let the enemy sometimes even sift you a little bit because it's going to purify you and make you stronger. But when those things are over, act in faith. Do what I've told you to do. Operate in who you're supposed to be. And so many times believers, so many times believers will have a bad experience in church, or have some struggle that they have happen in church and it doesn't work out the way they hoped it would work out and people don't act the way they thought christians were supposed to act and by the way if you go to church and you have an expectation for believers to act like believers all the time and act like good christian folks all the time you are going to be disappointed and i say that again you are going to be severely disappointed why because they're just as messed up as you are they're just as big as strugglers with their sin they're just as big a they just as just have just as much trouble in their own lives they have as mu- as much shame over their past and they have they have so so many things that are issues for them in their own life. And if you expect them to act something that's far better than you, can tell you this, they should, they ought to, the church ought to operate that way. But that expectation is too much. It is far too much because that's not true about how God is. God is at work in people's lives, but that work is a hard work. That work is a long work and that work is a difficult work. And for some believers, if you're going to get hurt in church, that just happens sometimes and because you're dealing with people. And understand that when that happens, that's not for the purpose of you saying, I'm throwing up my hands and getting out. It's for the purpose of you understanding that God's sifting you and giving you knowledge and insight into how the church works and how he operates in his church and the work he's doing and maybe even the work he's using you to do. And so I would say to you, when the enemy roars at you, when the enemy growls at you, when the situation seems like, "Uh uh-oh, everything's going to come crashing, it's not going to. And you've got to remember the times in the past where this has happened, and walk by faith. You've got to understand that the enemy is going to growl at you and roar at you in the moment, in in the days to come, and you got to walk by faith. And then you've got to understand that other people are not going to operate in the same wisdom and the same power that you do, because God is growing you, and He may even be growing you so that you can be with them, so that you can, so that your faith can build their faith, and so. Don't walk away from it. Don't let the enemy get you off track. Do what you're supposed to be. Be who you're supposed to be. Walk as you're supposed to walk and if you'll do that, God will move in you. God will bless that. And you don't have to you don't have to struggle with whether or not what I'm supposed to do about things you don't even have any idea about. You really don't know when the enemy's roaring at you. You don't know if anything's happening. Truth is, maybe nothing's happening. You just are afraid. And you know what? That is a malady common to man, fear. But fear is the opposite of faith, and it's a very limiting thing for a person's life. And a person who walks in fear as a believer will never, ever experience the very best of God and can't walk in the power of God because fear is the enemy of our faith, and our faith is the source of our power. We trust in God, and then he does his work, but we got to trust in him. And Isaac, he was the normal human being. He was exactly where he's supposed to be, right in the middle of God's will. And the enemy roared at him. And then he decided, I'm going to act like the world rather than act like I'm supposed to and walk with God. And what, did, what happened? He caused all kinds of problems. Don't allow the roar of the enemy, which is going to happen in your life, get you off track. And don't, la- don't allow the struggles or the difficulties you might have with church people keep you off track. Allow God to open your life up and allow you to walk in it and allow him to open your eyes up to see the opportunities of faith ahead of you. I believe that you're going to do that. In fact, I not only believe it, I believe it's part of God's actual eternal plan for you. And so I'm expecting it for you. I'm expecting you to walk in great power because you walk in great faith. And that faith is based on a great God and a great Savior. And his name is Jesus. (music)